thank you, Lord. Thank you that your grace does hold us now. Thank you that we are healed and we are forgiven. And thank you that sin and death don't have any hold on us. Lord, we just praise you this morning. We thank you that you have given us so much. And Lord, I just pray that you accept our praises back to you this morning and that they make you smile. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Welcome this morning. If you're here for the first time, a very special welcome. It is great to see you. Uh, just take a minute before you sit down, turn around, say good day to somebody, make them feel welcome, be COVID safe. And if you are online this morning, a special welcome to you. I hope you're enjoying your morning. Make sure you check in with the Church Centre app so that we know you're online. And maybe put a comment in the uh, chat section just so we can say good day to you this morning. I hope you're having a good day. Very good. Have a seat. Thank you very much. Cool. Welcome this morning. Remember to check in. Now, remember, we've got two check-ins. We have the QR code, which is what the government would like us to do to keep us all safe from COVID. Uh, so make sure you do that. And make sure you check in on the Church Centre app as well, because that helps us to know that you're here this morning. Uh, our Connect cards and Next Step cards you can find on our online platform or via the Church Centre app. Remember the Connect cards are a great way to communicate with people, put in prayer requests and things like that. And the Next Step cards are there if you're just thinking, well, what do I do next? What's my next step in my walk with Jesus? And fill them in and we will get back to you. Offering. We have our little offering box up the back there, which is all nice and COVID safe. But of course, offering online uh, is an easy way to do that these days, a convenient way. You don't have to carry cash. Uh, so feel free to do that if you like. You can just put anything in the offering box on the back there if you want to. Now, you may be wondering, you might think, Steve, you're letting yourself go. You've gone all casual. Like, you know, it's a Sunday. You're at the front. You should be doing better. I'm not trying to be more relatable to young people. I'm not having a midlife crisis, that's parked out the back, uh, but in kids this morning, we are. our theme is running the race, so this is like as sporty as I get, um, but it's all about running the race, we are all running the race of life, uh, whether we like it or not, we're in that race. Sometimes it feels like a lovely downhill jog and everything's going well, you've got your friends around you and it's really cruisy. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes it feels like you're slogging up a mountain and you're all on your own and it's starting to rain and it's getting dark and it's really, really hard and you feel like giving up. I just want to say this morning that hopefully if you're here this morning, you can get some encouragement from the people around you because we're all running that race together. So if you're feeling good, encourage the people around you. If you're feeling bad, let the people around you encourage you because we're all in this together. And life is tough. Whether we're going through a good patch or a bad patch, we know that life is tough. So let's just encourage each other and let God encourage you as well. 
some announcements. We have our Alpha courses running at the minute, which is really, really exciting. So Locksport Group is meeting on 3 o'clock on Wednesdays. The Sale Group starts tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, it's not too late to join in if you want to. You can check that out online or let Pastor Jackie know. Uh, you can register on the Church Centre app. Uh, so be praying for those Alpha courses because it's just an exciting time to explore more about what's life all about, what's the meaning of it all. Next week we have a Mother's Day service. So there won't be any SBC kids next week. We'll be in here. We're not having a normal cafe service. It'll be a kind of normal church service. We'll be doing some special things for mums and we'll be having a special morning tea. Uh, so make sure you bring your mum along or that person who's like a mum to you. And there's often lots of those in our life. Um, just a little bit of feedback that the young man we were praying for in church is uh, doing a lot better physically. So our God listens to your prayers. He hears your prayers. He answers your prayers. So keep praying. Uh, that young man still needs your prayers. So keep praying for him as well. Uh, in the newsletter, you'll find any other notices and there's always plenty of information in there. If you're not getting the newsletter, it's because we haven't got your email address. So just let us know what that is and you'll get the newsletter each week. Uh, so just let me pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that we can bring our praises to you. We can bring our offerings to you, whether that's money or whether that's time or um, just our gifts or talents. Thank you that we can bring that to you. And we know that they're small and we know that they're next to nothing. But we know that you love a generous heart, uh, that it makes you smile to see um, your people being generous and giving. And Lord, we know that you can do amazing things when we uh, allow you to. So when we give to you. So Lord, we pray that you take the, the small offerings that we give you uh, and you bless them and you use them to make this world a better place, a place with your hope and your light in it. So, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. But God, we stand before you this morning with our hands stretched high, our hearts surrendered in awe of who you are and what you've done for us. God, we are so thankful for, for Jesus and for who he is, for what he's done for us. God, we just take a moment just to just to still our minds, to still our hearts towards you. To once again come before you and just surrender. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where your, your heart's at, where your mind's at, what your feelings are towards Jesus. But can I just encourage you just to take 10 seconds right now and just if you're in a high place, if you're on the mountaintop, just to surrender your heart to Jesus again. If you're in the valley, in the darkest place maybe you've been for a long time, surrender your heart to Jesus. Take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to come in, to remind you that Jesus loves you, He's for you. He's not against you. He has a good plan for your life. He has grace for you. He knows where you're at. And He wants to walk with you.
Holy Spirit, we're so thankful for your presence in this place this morning. God, that you can walk with us when times are good, when times are okay, when times are really bad. And God, I pray this morning that we might know your presence. We might know that you're with us and that you're for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please just grab a seat. Good morning. You know, I was just sharing with the um, the team this morning um, before the service a verse that I just wanted to encourage us with, and I wasn't planning to share this. This is a, a freebie before the, the real message. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, it talks about the, um, the glory and the, the love in the face of Jesus Christ, that um, the light has shone upon him, and we can see the, the love and the, the glory of the face of Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever pictured the face of Jesus. I mean, if you're um, a good sort of visual person, you might have a, an image in your mind if you're somewhat um, artistically challenged, then you might just, I don't know, looks like a person, I suppose, and, and not. You know, what I love about that verse is that it talks about the love in the face of Jesus. You know, when you see someone for the first time, you can sort of gauge what their feeling is towards you. Um, you can just see it in their eyes. You can see it in their face. If you walk into a room and you see someone and they've, their eyes light up and they're excited to see you, if they sort of like uh, roll their eyes or just their eyebrows droop a little bit, you can just tell um, someone's feeling towards you normally just by their face. They don't need to say anything. And sometimes their words match their face and sometimes, hey, how are you? And you, you can tell that their, their words don't match their face. But the words that Jesus speaks of love match his face. You know, his love towards us is uh, reflected in his face, is reflected in his eyes. It's when he sees us come towards him, um, there is love, there is acceptance, there is grace. He wants us to draw close when we're good and when we're not so good. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, um, wherever you are, that there's grace for you, there is love for you, that there is love in the eyes and the face of Jesus. Very good. Are you good this morning? Great. Enjoying this autumn weather? This is what autumn should be like every, every day of the season. But of course, we've chosen to live, or maybe you feel like you haven't chosen. We find ourselves living in Victoria, the greatest weather state of the country. And by greatest, I mean most diverse. And <coughs> Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Probably rain and cold weather. I think that's forecast. Probably some sun as well. Anyway, um, great to have you with us this morning. Great to have you online with us this morning. Um, we're going to start a new series. Where we're, we love series. I don't know if, if you enjoy the series. We did a series for the last three weeks called Words, Works and Ways, where we talked about um, discovering who Jesus is, and we discover who we are when we discover who he is. Well, we're going to change gears, and we're going to talk... Um, on this series, and we're calling it Home, and um, really talking about families, talking about parents, talking about kids, talking about grandparents, talking about um, whatever home looks like for you, whether you live by yourself, whether you live with um, some other people, some families, some friends, um, talking about this idea of having a Jesus-centered home, 
Jesus-centered in all that we do. Um, and I want to read a verse, and you might think, oh, that doesn't seem very family-orientated, but I want to read a verse and then share something that I think, um, you know, God wants. Can you hear those kids? How good is that? Sorry. I love that we have such a great kids' ministry in this church. Um, I want to read a verse, and then we'll, we'll see what God wants to speak to us about. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. You've probably heard this verse before. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God, we pray that as we come around your word this morning, as we start to talk about this idea of having Jesus-centered homes and Jesus-centered hearts and families, God, that you might speak to us where we are, regardless of our home situation, of our family dynamic, that you might speak to our hearts, encourage us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you're doing something that you know that you weren't designed to do. I find myself doing that sometimes, especially when I'm on a roof or in a tree. For whatever reason, I find myself up in a high place and I know that I'm not designed. God designed gravity and feet to be on ground and not up. I mean, those people that fly planes and abseil and... I mean, sometimes I have videos uh, on social media come up of like, um, you know, the mountain bikes and they just, and that's, it's like they've got the GoPro on their helmet and you just see what they see and, you, and I, I literally can't watch. I just have to like, oh, it's like a horror movie for me. It's like, <laughs> we aren't designed to do that. That's, that's not normal. That's not right. Get your feet on the ground, please. Um, so for myself, being up high, but, uh, especially when I see someone else up high, and I think, I don't know if I trust, I can't watch, I can't watch, I've got to go away. It creates too much anxiety in me. And this morning I want to talk about this idea of anxiety and when we, we put something in a place that it's not designed to be, it can create anxiety for us in an unhealthy way. Anxiety is something that um, affects a lot of us. If you look up any sort of statistics on anxiety, um, I think there's stats at the moment, around about 45% of Australians will face anxiety in their life at some point, um, where, how severe that is. It, and I think, the, I think it's probably more than that, um, but that's probably just what people are allowing us to, to know. And you might have your own ideas on mental health and, and, um, and what it's about, but for me, it's, it makes sense that if we have sickness in our body, since the fall, since sin, we, have, we get colds and coughs and runny noses. It makes sense that we have unhealthy minds sometimes, that health is our whole body and, and things don't go right in our, in our minds. And, um, and this morning I want to talk a little bit about anxiety and, um, and how it affects the way that we live at home with those closest to us. Um, because I think anxiety affects our, our parenting, it affects our um, relating to our spouse or um, our brothers or our sisters or our nephews and our nieces or uh, whoever it is that's close to us. Anxiety affects that. And this morning I'm going to talk about some things um, and you might think, well Brad, this is all good that you're talking to parents about being a parent, but you've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. You've got no runs on the board yet, you don't know what you're talking about and I totally understand and you can switch off if you like and I wouldn't be offended um, and so 
a lot of what I'm talking about this morning is not my ideas and my experience um, because it's very limited at the moment. Um, and so I've borrowed some stuff from some different people that I think are, are a lot more qualified to, to speak on this. And so um, for those of you that have kids older than five, I'm already clap, clap, well done. Tell me your ways. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, great. And we've got a little girl coming along uh, as our number three. Uh, some of you might know that already, but we're having a little girl as number three. And um, I'm already, the anxiety levels are already raising, so this message is as much for me as it is for you. Trust me. Um, but I heard and I read this great idea around anxiety. You know what the, the best way to reduce anxiety in, in parenting or in life in general is just to have low expectations. It's just to have, just to really lower the bar. Um, and I think, I think there's some truth in that. I think, um, well, that, that's funny and we don't want to have zero expectations in, in life. Um, I think a lot of the time our anxiety comes from having such high expectations around so many different things. Uh, and we could actually do ourselves a favour uh, favor by just lowering the expectations around some things in some ways. And generally speaking, high expectations fuel high anxiety. Generally speaking, high expectations fuel high anxiety. And it's good to be driven. It's good to have good expectations. I'm not saying that you just need to have no expectations and just cruise through life and expect nothing and strive for nothing. But when we have these ideas that I'm going to be the best at this, or my kid's going to be the best at this, he's going to have the best grades at school, he's going to be the fastest runner on the field. We've already had to deal with this with Harry at such a young age of um, thinking he's a fast runner and then discovering on the first time he did sport, he came last, like dead last. Just understanding that, okay, you're not going to, maybe it'll pick up, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe that's not what you were designed for. Maybe you're not going to be the best at everything. Maybe you'll be the best at nothing. We can't all be above average. I just think we, and if we, anyway, if we all think that we're supposed to be above average, we're, a lot of us are going to be let down, at least half of us. And when we keep raising the bar on ourselves and those closest to us, we can raise the anxiety levels as well. When we tell those around us and tell ourselves that they are special and important and the best I think sometimes those comments and those ideas can, can fuel this in an unhealthy way. And it's true that we are special. God has created us uniquely. Um, we are significant in the eyes of God. But we are also among, what, seven, eight billion people on planet Earth. There's going to be people that are better than us in so many different ways, in so many different areas of life. And if everyone thinks that they are supposed to be above average, then most people are going to be let down when they find themselves at average or below. Tim Elmore, who writes about families and, and this idea of generation, says, he says this idea that we're raising a generation of kids or of people that have high arrogance and low self-esteem. High arrogance and low self-esteem. Everyone's told that they're gifted. Everyone's told that they're special, that they're the best. Um, and they can do anything that they want to do. I don't know if you've ever been to a church, and definitely not this church, or a concert where there's a singer on stage and you're just thinking to yourself, no one's ever told them, have they? They're not. 
someone turn the mic off. That's not what they're supposed to do. It's like they've been encouraged and told, you can be a singer if you want. It's like, well, I mean, I'm sure Phil could train just about anybody to be a good singer, but maybe that's not what they're supposed to do. But I think this high arrogance, low self-esteem, being told that they're the best, that you can do anything you want, leads to this thinking that I can do anything. The sky's the limit. But then deep down, knowing that it's not true. Deep down, knowing that I can't do anything. I, I'm not the best at this. I've seen myself compared to others. Deep down, I know that it's not true. And I think anxiety comes from a, a lot of different places, I understand. But when we try or to be or to do something that we were not designed to be or to do. I think um, anxiety is is linked or closely linked with idolatry in the Bible. Where we seek something from somewhere that wasn't supposed to supply it for us. Where we seek something from someone that wasn't ever supposed to give us that thing that we're looking for. There's a guy named Tullian Tavigian, if you have heard of him, he's a, a pastor and an author in the States. And um, he talks about, this is a long quote, but I want to read it out because it's, um, it's great. Talking about idolatry. He says, idolatry is simply trying to build our identity on something besides God. An idol is anything that's usurping the proper place of God in our lives. An idol is anything or anyone that you conclude in your heart you must have in order for your life to be meaningful, valuable, secure, exciting or free. Here's one way to get your idols into focus. Simply think about whatever it is in your life that if you lost it, would make you want to quit living. Or to put it positively, what are you really living for? What are you functionally depending on to make life worth living? Ultimately, if it's anything or anyone other than Jesus, then it's become an idol. Most idols are good things, good gifts from God, our spouse, our children, our hopes and dreams, our work, success, skill, looks, reputation. And the trouble comes when we transform these into ultimate things. We end up depending on these things and these people to provide us with the meaning and purpose and freedom and security and significance that only Jesus can provide. When we put someone or something in the place that only Jesus is designed to be in in our life, we can create unhealthy levels of anxiety for ourselves, but more so for the person that we're putting that expectation on. You know, I think I want to talk about three things that we can be centered in. Um, there's lots of different areas that we could be, we could center our lives around, but three areas that we might center our life around. The third one being the one that, um, sorry, the fourth one being the one that we should be doing, and I'm you probably guess what it is already when we go through these. But the first one is this, self-centered. Um, we can be self-centered. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. When we're thinking about ourselves more than we're thinking about others, we're becoming self-centered. We're lifting ourselves up and worshiping ourselves and ultimately being let down by ourselves. When we put ourselves in that place where only God should be, we can, we can feel great when we're doing great, but then when something goes wrong in our life and we don't deal with it properly, we let ourselves down. We don't have the, the freedom and security that we should be. We can't be God. 
and we can't fulfill the role only God was meant to fulfill. We can be spouse-centered or, or someone-centered, someone who's um, you know, the most important person in our life, our significant other in our life. We can become spouse-centered, where we lift ourselves up, where we, where we lift our spouse up in worship, where we find our identity and our reason for living in our spouse. They are everything to us and we are nothing without them. If they don't love us perfectly, then we're not fulfilled. If they don't live in perfect relationship with us, then we can lose our way. Our spouse can't be God. They can't fulfill the role only God was meant to fulfill. We'll burden them in a way that they cannot bear. They'll not be able to carry the weight expectation that you place on them. We could be self-centered, spouse-centered, we could be children-centered. And just what I want to spend a little bit of time on about the unhealthy ways we can be children-centered. We can lift our children up in a place of where we worship them, where we adore them and honour them in a way that we should only do with Jesus, we should only do with God. Children can't be worshipped. They can't bear that weight. It's not good for them. And it's definitely not good for us. Just like you and I, if someone tried to start worshipping us and adoring us and honouring us the way that we know that only Jesus, Jesus should be, we would feel uneasy about that. We would feel ill-equipped to be able to deal with that amount of attention. Maybe you've met someone that would really appreciate that. But, you know, generally speaking, we're not good at dealing with that sort of worship. I think that's why celebrities crumble under the weight. You see so many of them deal with so many issues because they're being worshipped, elevated to this place that they can't sustain. Then no one is designed for that amount of worship, apart from Jesus. And definitely children cannot cope with that amount of worship. I read and this, um, this idea... Um, around child-centered parents produce self-centered kids. Child-centered parents produce self-centered children. Child-centered parents produce self-centered children. And if we, as Christians and as parents and grandparents and people who have influence over young people, if we put them as the center of our world, the center of our life, they're going to think that the world revolves around them. And I think there's many ways that we can do this. There's many ways we can become child-centered. And I've got this um, from a guy named Ted Cunningham from Focus on the Family. And he talks about these many faces or many ideas of what he calls trophy parenting. But I think it's the same thing of um, this idea of idolatry, of putting something in place that only Jesus was supposed to be. He talks about the idea of vanity parenting. And we see this, I think, a lot with um, social media, where um, we use our kids' accomplishments and attributes to impress other people. You can look on Facebook and Instagram, and you can see that when there's only ever perfect kids presented, trying to impress others around. If children appear successful, then we'll look successful too. Well, there's perfection parenting where we raise the bar too high. And this parent experiences frequent irritation and frustration when their child makes a mistake and doesn't measure up. 
There's competitive parenting, where we compare the, the strengths and weaknesses of our child to another child. We compare our child's weakness to another child's strength and feel somewhat let down or some um, frustrated that they're not as good, discouraged. Or we compare our child's strengths to another's weakness and we have an overinflated view of our child and they become overinflated view of, um, having an overinflated view of themselves. Or we might have a, what Ted calls a return on investment par parenting. I thought Glenn might enjoy this one. Where from, for every activity that we put our kids into, we think, well, how is this going to pay dividends in the future? If I put them into dance lessons at four, are they going to become a professional dancer in the future? Or if I put them and invest money into this activity, are they, is that going to, they got better stick at it their whole life and make sure that they're professional because make sure that this is a good return on investment. Puts un, I mean, we can laugh about it, but it puts so much pressure on that child to stay committed to that thing and to do really well at it. And maybe they just weren't designed for it. There's nothing wrong with signing up, taking them out when it's obviously not their thing. They're not enjoying it. Another one is gifted parenting, believing that God did something extra special when he put your child together. Put all the gifts in this one child, a perfect kid. I think that's how I was raised. I'm joking. Siblings think so was how I was raised. Parents who believe their child is extra special look for uh, extra special opportunities and acti activities for their child. Another one is companion parenting, where the, the child is put into a place of sort of buddy alongside, uh, carrying the emotional weight that uh, a child is not supposed to take. The emotional burdens of a spouse instead of just being a child. And the last one that Ted talked about is rescue parenting, where we create an environment where the child can only succeed and never fail. We, we guard them from every point of failure in their life and they can only succeed, protecting them from any sort of loss, pain or struggle. And inevitably that will fail, won't it? Because a child will, at some point in their life, experience pain, loss or struggle. And if they have to experience that the first time when they're 18 years old, how devastating it will be compared to if they're learning those lessons from a young age. There's lots of ways we can put our child in an unhealthy place in our life. And they're not designed to be in that place. Paul talks about this in Romans 1. He doesn't specifically talk about children, but he talks about putting things in a place where they shouldn't be. In Romans 1, verses 21 to 25, he says, Yes, they knew they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to, to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served things God created instead of the creator himself, 
who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Worshipping and serving things that God created instead of God himself. That was their ultimate downfall. And so if we're not self-centered, if we're not spouse-centered, if we're not children-centered, what should we be? I gave you a clue right at the start. Jesus-centered. Jesus-centered in all we do. We are the greatest leader. You are the greatest leader when you follow the greatest leader. You are the greatest leader when you follow the greatest leader. When you put Jesus at the center of your own heart, at the center of your own life, you will become the best, you'll have the best opportunity to lead others towards doing the same thing. We are at our best in the different roles we play when our attention and adoration is on the one it was designed to be on. And so as we talk about being better parents, grandparents, children, aunties, uncles, in the families that we find ourselves, and in the wider family of God. We've got so many young people in our own community here, in the family here, that need people who have their own hearts centered on Jesus. The best thing we can do is to get our own hearts centered on Him. We want Jesus-following kids. We've got to be Jesus-following people ourselves. Get your heart on Him daily. Worship Him daily. Jesus-centered parents pave the way for Jesus-centered kids. There are attitudes, actions, behaviors, phrases that we instinctively picked up, pick up from, from those that are most influential in our life. Have you ever caught yourself saying something that you're like, oh, that person says that all the time and now I'm saying it? You didn't, you didn't try to copy them, you just did. It just rubbed off on you. Well, in the same way, when we are Jesus-centered in ourselves, it will just rub off on those around us. We can't be people that just say something and then do something else. We can't be do as I say, but not as I do type Christian. We've got to be able to echo the words of Paul. And he writes in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. You should imitate me as I imitate Christ. We can't be our own God, our spouse can't be our God, our kids definitely can't be our God. Only God can be God. Now I'd like to say this is going to get rid of every anxiety that you've, you're facing. But I think there's some level of reduced anxiety when we put God into the place in our life that He's designed to be. And it starts at home, it starts with each person centering their hearts on Jesus, imitating Him. I think the best technique you can employ to influence others towards Jesus is to influence your own heart towards him. The best technique you can employ to influence others towards Jesus is to influence your own heart towards him. And it's a hard job doing this. It's a hard job to raise your children towards loving Jesus. And I know that I'm not at a place where I can speak from any level of experience but I, I do appreciate that it's not just as easy as saying these few words on a Sunday morning and then that's the answer there are going to be times where we feel overwhelmed where we feel anxious where we feel maybe even devastated but to remember to take those cares those anxieties to Jesus to go back to the first verse that we read at the start 
1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Put your heart um, where Jesus can care for it. Put your cares and your concerns and your feelings where Jesus can care for it. Where he can lift you up. Where he can be your God. Where he can do what only he can do. Take it to Jesus. Let him minister to you. Let him remind you that you're already loved, that you're already accepted, you're already made right. That what you're doing, the way you're living, Jesus is the most influential person in any person's life. He needs to be the one that draws people close to himself. We can only do so much in influencing someone, but ultimately each person needs to make their own decision. The best thing we can do is keep our own hearts centered on him. I want to pray for us as we finish. I want to invite you to stand. And as we begin this series and as we talk about this over the next two weeks, I know there's probably people on your own mind that maybe are in your own immediate family. Maybe they're just people that you know, that you think, I want to be an influence in their life. I want to influence them towards Jesus or I want to continue to influence them towards Jesus. Just as you've got these people on your mind, I want us to lift them up to Jesus and to maybe you're feeling concerned, anxious about their own faith, their own walk. Let's cast our anxiety, let's cast our cares on Him because He cares. Lord Jesus, we come before you and this morning we lift up these people in our own lives that, that we know, that we love, that we cherish. But God, that we know that you love even more than we could ever. And God, we lift them up to you. We cast our cares for them, our anxiety for them onto you. And God, we know that you care. We know that you love God, we pray that we might be people that are Jesus-centered in all that we do. That we might lead people towards you as we're being led by you ourselves. God, would you help us to continue to turn to you in moments of anxious thoughts and fear. God, we know that you are a miracle worker, that you can you can heal bodies, you can heal minds, you can bring freedom. And God, I pray that you might do that for people this morning in Jesus' name. You might free people from anxiety, from stress, from fear. And God, you might enable us to live free, to worship and to love and to follow you in a way that's going to help other people do the same thing. God, would you help us to have a Jesus-centered church, a Jesus-centered family, Jesus-centered homes, Jesus-centered hearts in all that we do, every season. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name.